Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Roots Podcast. As always, I am Mark Spiders, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roots, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. Well, it's our first episode of 2022. Uh, been a little while. How you been, Matt? I've been good. It's been it's been nice to get a little break from from football. This wait, am I allowed to say that? Maybe <laughs> we'll we'll edit that out. Um, we eat, sleep, and breathe football like breakfast. Um, no, it's yes, been it's constantly. Been I've been grinding the tape. <laughs> good to get away and and rice. You know, we thought rice had kind of wrapped up most of their class in December, and then they kind of came back and they added a couple more today. So we didn't get too bored, but uh, you know, celebrating some uh. Other SEC recruiting championships just for fun and <laughs> enjoying life. How are things? Pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I guess I officially have to hand off the uh, my SEC team uh, won the recruiting rankings crown to you for this year. So uh, enjoy it. I'll hold it forever <laughs> until next year. If the boosters, well, as long as the price of crude oil stays up, uh, you'll probably will. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's all legal now. Oh, man. I mean, we we could get into this, but yeah, it's college football is recruiting is the same as it's always been. The teams that are the best have the best players and the teams that are not the best don't have the best players. I saw that uh, the Campbell fighting Campbells have a higher rated recruiting class than Arizona State. That's so, rough. Rough news, like that. but hey, uh, Bear Bryant's great, uh, great grandson. Yeah. Uh, oh, did Trent, did he end up there? Yeah, he yeah. Left? Paul Paul Tyson. So he he's graduating and was never going to start. So he's leaving Alabama and committed. Uh, he is uh, con- he officially considered Arizona State and uh, and and picked them. <laughs> what is officially considered? Uh, weird, weird. <laughs> Weird reference. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. It's been a day. It's been crazy. But, you know, we're here. And we're here to talk a little bit of, little bit of recruiting, a little bit of football, uh, a couple of news items. Since you mentioned it's been two months since we last did a podcast. Almost, yeah. Something like that. Let's see. And I should go pull up my list now. Let's see. Um, so, of course, the house cupping housekeeping things up front uh please do take a moment rate review and subscribe if you've been listening to the show thank you uh if you are a new recruit or family that has stumbled upon this because now you care about rice football we're excited welcome uh if give it a listen if you like it yeah uh come back please if you don't like it tell people uh to make it better like us so we appreciate your feedback leave it in and let us know and then if you do want the insight on rice football recruiting we're going to talk a lot a little bit here but you can always find an up-to-date offer tracker and all sorts of stuff some analysis some pieces on the offense defense all the commits and what have you on our patreon page patreon.com slash at the roost i don't for those who follow recruiting, you'll notice that uh, the second you have an offer handed out to somebody by uh, an Alabama or a Texas or a state, that gets posted <laughs> everywhere. Uh, when Rice offers somebody, that might not pull up on the rivals of the 247s for yeah. a while. So if you want to know who Rice is actually offered and who's committed and what what stage will have you, uh, we have it. And I don't know if that actually exists anywhere else. So those are my two plugs. And uh, and then we have new recruits, officially. Yeah. Uh, so Rice has added since the early signing period. Um, so we're just we're just lumping in everybody that came in uh, since since the early signing period ended, mostly in the last couple of days. But a few one in late December, a, a pair of tight ends over late December and mid January. Um, one high school player in that bunch, and then a couple of JUCOs and a, a couple more uh, guys out of the portal. Yeah, it was there was actually only one high school player that was brought in in this particular wave. And that was an offensive lineman in California, Brad Bauer, I think. I got time. They've Probably. only been here for yeah. a day or two. So I got, I got <laughs> an excuse to learn names. So yeah, Brad Bauer yeah. came in uh, kind of a, a has a good frame. I mean, he's six six two ninety, So you'll take that uh, clay, as Mike Bloomgren likes to say, uh, <laughs> 
things that they uh, they can't teach. And so they'll build with that. They have a really group of good core of young offensive linemen. So he's a guy they'll slot in and kind of been able to to take up slowly. He was actually offered uh, what the last day of, of January or close to that. And so popped on right there at the end. So that's the high school guy. Uh, the other guys you mentioned, the tight ends, we'll start with those. So uh, it's it's not Bowden growing. Um, oh, it's not? I know. This is oh, how I pronounced I... it in my head. And then Bloomgren had his press conference this afternoon. and I'm kind of like, disappointed. I was really excited for Bowden growing. I think it's like Groen or Groen or uh, Groen. Groen? Was it an U? Bowden Groen? I don't. I think maybe it's a U. Honestly, Whoever. Bowden Groen or Bowden Groen. Bowden Groen especially. I kind of hope it's that one. But even if it's Bowden Groen, that's still a really good name. Yeah. Last name. G-R-O-E-N. So however you think that ought to be pronounced. So, oh yeah, I wonder if I wonder if that's supposed to be the German like O with the umlaut thing because I think sometimes they render that as like O-E. I wonder, yeah, so if it's that one, I don't know if, actually if it is, but if it is, then I think it's like Grün. There you or go. Grün, we, Grün, we, Grün. we are, Grün. I won't speak for you, I'm not bilingual. So, <laughs> uh, we got him, he came in, and he's a Juco guy, one of two Juco guys that they brought in today, and Rice has had I don't know what the average success rate for a Juco player is. It's It's got to be like 50%, maybe, at best. Yeah, hit, hit rate's been very high. Yeah, and Rice is batting way better than that. So even if one of these two Juco guys works out, uh, it'll be a plus. Uh, on on Groon, uh, Bowden, <laughs> we'll call him, um, he can do a couple things. Pretty good blocker and also can catch downfield. Uh, we had Jager Bull leave in the transfer portal and of course jordan myers i guess well he might not have been a tight end last year but whatever you want to do with that uh he's moved on to pursue nfl opportunities so there's a bit of a vacuum there uh, other than jack bradley as far as guys who've who've done and played so he's one they really like and then the other tight end they brought in is gavin reinwald he actually played for uh, coach tui at cal and can do a couple things. I think he's a guy that will see line up in the backfield as a fullback. Um, he'll be able to go out and catch the ball a little. Uh, kind of will have a similar style and role to how Bull played. I don't know if he caught more than like, what, one or two passes his last two seasons at Rice, but he was on the field a lot. So those are the two tight ends. Yeah, and... they definitely needed somebody in that kind of um... – that mold of the sort of the fullback like TE um, that that's really is, you know, more of a block of like six, three, two forty is how he's listed, which is definitely more of the, uh, the fullback type body frame. Whereas Groden is more of a, you know, six or Bowden. Bowden. Is... <laughs> I have to say, I love how many different ways we've pronounced this name so far tonight. <laughs> Sorry, bud. I'm going to call you Groden from now on. Um, six, five, two thirty is a very sort of like, modern you know good good frame for a modern tight end in terms of the height and the you know the build so getting kind of uh like you said losing losing the guys they do at those positions you, you're kind of filling as many tight ends as they like to use in as many different roles as they have you're kind of giving guys who can fill all those roles yeah two guys do different things and i think that's an interesting kind of you know twist on how this has come about because you know after the in the in the December early signing period, after after Jagger had decided to enter the transfer portal. Oh, by the way, he ended up at um, at Wake Forest. Yeah, good for him. Which good for him. I and we will kind of dive into this later. But I'm trying to think. I think him and Blaze Aldridge are the only two Rice players that have jumped up to the FBS after leaving Rice to Power Five. You mean? Power Five. Yeah, sorry. Rice is SB FBS. Let that not be forgotten. <laughs> AAC even. Oh, yeah. So shame yeah. on me. <laughs> so those are those pieces. Let's see. O-line, tight end. Next one. We, we will land on uh, here first. The la last offensive addition they had from the transfer portal. Uh, Isaiah Esdale, a wide receiver from West Virginia, who... Uh, led the team in receiving yards against a little school down the road called Texas last year. So oh, a guy who, who played and did pretty well. Well, I guess, is it a, is it a compliment? 
if you run up the score and or yards against Texas, is that impressive anymore? Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, we're all for Texas slander on this podcast. Yeah, this is a this is this a is Texas not, slander podcast. Is, it's not a con, not a conflict of interest for you on this one at all. So yeah, so he did pretty well. He was also the primary punt returner for West Virginia, and you know this was one of the things that I really didn't think that Rice needed another wide receiver. Especially yeah, with the we'll, guys they had in the room. We'll uh we'll talk more about another uh let's say addition they're getting in the wide receiver room in just a little bit. But yeah, like I mean, they were getting back the core of guys from last year outside of August Pete, essentially. Um, and you know, last year we spent a lot of time talking about wow, this wide receiver room can be really deep. And it would have been if everybody hadn't gotten hurt. Um, but all those guys except for Pete are back, and then they added um Shoot, I'm completely blanking on his name. I will Estelle. Uh No, no, no. Um, the guy from Tulsa. Crawford. They added Crawford. Sam Crawford. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, it didn't seem like there was really a need there. But I guess this way, if, you know, four or five of your top wide receivers get hurt <laughs> again, you and can I, still have good players. And I made that comment to, to Bloomgren during the press conference. I said, now you signed another transfer wide receiver. Don't you think you have enough guys in that room? And he said, we thought we did last year. And then all our starters got hurt. He said, now we're ready. If all our starters get hurt, we have more starters. And I was like, I mean, he said it tongue in cheek, but I think he's 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 ready. He is not going to be without wide receivers ever again. Yeah, so. I mean, like Bailey Patterson, um, who both at times were really dominant last year. You bring Brad Rosner back again. Um Crawford is a guy we're really excited about. And then you add Asdale to that mix. And even if nobody else really takes any steps forward like that, should I'm be hearing really five solid wide group. Every yeah, other why not? Like true five wide. Yeah, pound the rock through the air, perhaps. We'll see. They did get Dean Connors in the early signing period of running back. So they did go get one running back. So that's it on the offense. On the defense, two additions that are in this wave uh, Ishmael Joseph a cornerback from Juco uh, 6'1 officially on the I guess how Rice introduced him 6'1 183 I saw on one of his uh, I don't know if it was a, a school profile or the school roster it he came from uh, the Georgia Military College he was listed at like 6'3 which was very impressive mm. and then I saw 6'1 I'm like you know what I'll still take 6'1 yeah but uh Again, kind of built in the uh, Jordan Dunbar is probably the most prototypical like outside cover guy that Rice has on the roster. And lo and behold, as soon as he was ready and healthy, he won a starting job and basically didn't leave the field. So I'm not forecasting that for uh, Joseph per se, but he has good bones. He's he's built like you want a cover corner in this league to be. Yeah, uh, 6'1", 183 is very, very solid size for the corner position, especially as much man as Rice would prefer to be able to play in Brian Smith's scheme. Um, like Dunbar has a little better size. And like Sean Fresh is really an outlier athlete, and that's how they've, you know, where he kind of compensates for that. But but Sean Fresh is as tall as I am. So uh, not exactly prototype size, although he certainly makes up for it in terms of speed and and let's say um mentality but uh yeah as much man as rice likes to play the more like big bodies you can have at corner guys who can really like stand up to the physicality on the outside um with that kind of the the length and the the frame it's it's a good thing to have yeah so he was another late pick out and pick up and a lot of guys actually came in in the last couple days gavin reinwald uh, committed in december he was right after the early signing period, but uh, at that point, uh, Bowden, who we will call him, committed mid-January, and everybody else has, has, has come into the fold since then. And that includes the last guy who actually committed on signing day eve, which was Cam Dillon, linebacker from Columbia. Uh, Bloomgren was kind of going through superlatives with him and mentioned a five-sack game, Okay, which is pretty good from a linebacker at, at any level. Uh, he was second team all Ivy last year. 
And, you know, Rice has pulled a couple guys from the Ivy League. And it's interesting because Ivy League guys typically have to transfer for their senior year because the Ivy doesn't allow graduates to participate still. But because of the COVID year, he actually has two seasons uh, of eligibility remaining instead of just the one. So uh, if you're going to go and and dip into the Ivy League, you want to get one of the best. And this guy was an all-conference caliber player who can kind of do a lot and go to side to side. So they had a bit of a couple guys actually leave at the linebacker spot. And they, they really like Aiden Ciano. They really like Myron Morrison, DJ Arkansas, Kenny Seymour, kind of that younger group. But having somebody of this caliber that's played and started has a couple of years under his belt of college ball can, can only help. And so he's going to be a good one. And then I wanted to kind of add one aside that I thought was interesting with how, Bloomgren addressed kind of this group of six. So five transfers and one incoming high school offensive lineman. And he said, you know, everybody stands up here on their press conferences at signing day and says, you know, we we filled some gaps and he's we, we did that. But he really wanted to emphasize. He's like, no, I think we got six guys that can come in and compete to start that. These aren't just depth filler guys. He really believes them, which is coach speak. And You know, you have to say that to some degree, but I'm kind of looking at the list and I see real applications for both of the tight ends, Ryan Wall and Bowden, for sure. I think Esdale, we talked about the wide receivers and how I don't know who's going to play where. So but he's good enough. And then I think Dylan could be a guy that, you know, is going to find some. Some skill set of his at a bare minimum will translate to a specific package or role if he doesn't crack the starting lineup. And and he might. I think I feel pretty good about saying Siano's probably going to be an open day, day starter, but I don't know about the other spots. So bringing in impact guys, a lot of them who have a couple years left of eligibility, uh, you know, kind of a best case scenario, really, if you if you go for this, you know, last month of the recruiting run. Yeah, like you don't. So five of these six guys have already played at above the high school level. And even with, you know, as varied as the roster construction methods of college football are now, like you don't bring in guys from Juco or from the portal graduate or otherwise. Like that's the whole appeal of bringing those types of guys in is that you get a guy who is more ready than a player out of high school. And if that weren't available in these kind of players. Like there's not really any point in taking them to just sort of sit on a roster spot for a year or two when you could be bringing in a high school player that can sit and develop for a while. So it's good that, you know, if they were going to use these spots and clearly they had the room to give, to bring in these guys, if you're going to use these spots on guys who have a year or two years or whatever, um, then you only want to do that and not, you know, take a chance even on some other high school players. You only want to do that if you think they can compete for spots. And like pretty much all of these are positions of need. Certainly. And I I didn't even realize this, but while we were talking, I went and looked at the roster. Um, They've already added Gavin Reinwald to it, but excluding him, do you know off the top of your head, how many other tight ends Rice has on the roster? Uh, Well, I should be, let's, think we we have jack bradley as well uh, we have oh tall lanky redhead um that signed last year yeah uh from camper nate camper yep that would be two uh is bennett meekham still listed at tight end he is not he is not he's a wide receiver he's a he's a big wide receiver um yeah, i'm gonna go oh uh, jagger hybinson yeah that's three so it would be those three that's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> so that. So Reinwald is already on there. There are four tight ends listed on Rice's roster. Yeah. So Reinwald is Reinwald, Sam Crawford. Those guys both came in in the early signing period and they're there. And then let me think if I can get the last couple. Uh, Washington kicker Tim Horn. He is an early enrollee and so is Juco running back Dean Connors. So those four guys, uh, Reinwald committed, I think, like what the early signing period is that Wednesday through Friday. And mm-hmm. I think he committed like the following 
Monday or something like that right afterwards. I don't know when the school officially announced it, but it was it was shortly after that. So he's he got on campus for January as well. Yeah, so you get the you get those guys that you you honestly just need bodies at tight end, but obviously it's even better to get guys you think can contribute. Um, I guess wide receiver is not technically a need position, but if you can take a guy with that talent, you just do. Um, can always use more bodies at cornerback, and like you said with linebackers, like you, um, they have young guys they like, but getting some experience in that room is not going to be a bad thing, especially because. And I didn't even know that about the five sack game. I haven't really, I haven't watched anything on Dylan yet, but Rice doesn't really ask, like they play two like true off ball linebackers at any given time usually. And because of the way they play in the secondary and because of the Viper position and things like that, they don't generally ask those guys to do a whole lot of like coverage responsibilities. It's largely like think Blaze Aldridge, right? You want guys who can play sideline to sideline to cover you know, screens and short passes and wide runs, and you want them to be able to fly downhill against the run game and an off-ball linebacker and Dylan who can get five sacks, uh, that that fits the bill. So, uh, yeah, it, it seems like all these guys really have should have the potential to contribute right away. Yeah, and I think that's interesting because it kind of gets us into another discussion that I kind of wanted to have and I think it's interesting, and I will plug this for for those who are Patreon subscribers. This is coming probably in the next week or so. I've been kind of, and I did this a couple of years ago, but I'm just kind of going through the list of players that have transferred in to Rice and players that have transferred out. And, you know, I kind of want to do this on the fly and kind of get, you know, Carter, your gut reaction on it. But I'm just kind of kind of read through the list of players who between the end of the season and now have announced that they were transferring out of rice. And then just kind of, kind of, as you were saying, you know, we want rice to be able to bring in from the portal guys that can compete and be, if not starters, be guys that push and, and get on the field to, to some capacity and just kind of do a gut check at, at, at where we think they are net net. So, the outgoing players uh, will go on defense first, linebackers, Desmond Baker, Antonio Montero, and oh, I'm missing one uh, from Shadow Creek. I remember he left. I'm trying to remember what his name is. Terrence Ellis. There you go. Mm. That's three. So outgoing linebackers, uh, safety, Isaiah Richardson, then Prudy Calderon with the two in the secondary uh, offense. We got Jordan Bull at tight end. We have Kalen Griffin at running back, uh, Brendan Suckley, fullback, and then wide receivers, August Pete and Casey Tawa. Offensive line, Derek Ferraro and Cole Garcia. So those are the guys going out. And the list is pretty long. I will admit that. Um, but also not I, really, I, I don't know, maybe maybe more than average but like every team now has always a group of guys that are the border like that that's just how college football is now so i don't even the number doesn't even really i i would be curious what the average is but the number doesn't strike me as outlandish yeah i saw somebody had put something uh i was actually reading into and kind of looking getting some information on the the pickup that Rice had from from West Virginia, Esdale, and at the point when he had entered the portal in December, or someone saw that said that West Virginia, this was their seventeenth transfer, and I was like, that's a big number, and I was like, yeah, but but is it? <laughs> like, I, I I don't I don't I don't know what a what an average number is. I think Rice had probably about a dozen guys leave last year, but you know, as I'm kind of going through the list of of who is outgoing. You know, Desmond Baker and Antonio Montero were two guys who were probably starting linebackers. Uh, obviously, Jager Bull had a role. Uh, but the the rest of the guys on the list, August Pete, uh, in and out at, at wide receiver, played a little bit when he was healthy. Uh, Cole Garcia started and, and mixed in. Kalen Griffin, like the, there's a bunch of like just good players, but there's not a blaze in this group. Um, at least I don't I don't think so. Um, not to the to level he was. And then you kind of look at the the guys that are coming in. 
we've already gushed a little bit about the wide receiver core with with Crawford uh, and Esdale. I think those two guys are going to be fun. I, I think the linebacker pickup they had in Cam Dillon, uh, you know, I think he's going to be at least fine. I, I think net net on the transfer portal, they're going to come out ahead. And Tim Horn, they got a kicker. Hopefully they're going to keep rolling the dice on kicker until they can get a kicker. <laughs> um, they got Enoch Goda from uh, Decaney High School. He's going to walk on. So they're going to have at least multiple kickers that they can try out next year. Um, you know, I, I don't really feel like this was a, a, a year where Rice was hampered uh, by by the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, maybe even you want to make a case, I think at least that they, they break even. Yeah, no, I think like. Like between losing two starters, although, you know, Baker was in and out of the lineup, didn't play all that much last year. Um Antonio is obviously a loss. He had played a lot of football. There's a reason he was starting all that time. But also, like you said, not nearly the magnitude of loss that Blaze was last year. Um, and I don't I don't think Antonio Montero has, has surfaced anywhere. Uh, not that I recall. Um, but like offensive line, you know, both those guys had played and certainly... Cole even more so, but not full-time starters. And I think it's telling that after losing those guys, they did not go out and get any – they didn't bring any portal or Juco offensive linemen, did they? It was just two high school guys in this class, right? Uh, well, I mean, they, they went after – it'd be they went, They didn't get any portal offensive linemen. Uh, well, I say yet yeah, at, at the time of recording. Uh, but yeah. if I go and look at the list of who did Rice offer between the early signing period and – National Signing Day, I, I counted it up the other day. I think it was about a dozen offers, and half of those were uh, transfer offensive line targets. So I Okay, well, we could say that's probably still one they're looking at then. That, that was before they went out and offered Bauer. So, yeah, you know, they got a couple spots left. I, I would think if they were that interested by the offers that they put out, I think we still might see one. But I think it's an interesting comment because... We saw last year, Luke McCaffrey is the big name. He came in, was it mid-June? Yeah. Was it that late? So summer workouts typically start in June. And he got there right when all of that was going on. So there is no deadline, you know, air quotes, for right. for transfer players. So it could very well be a situation where Rice kind of goes and looks and see how the offensive line is in the spring, which I guess it starts uh, end of February, I think. So they have a couple weeks. They'll go see how the offensive line is doing in the spring, and then they'll they'll take a look and decide whether or not they want to go take one more spot on a, a transfer, which there will be more. <laughs> the transfer yeah, portal sure. is not running out of players. Well, yeah, it's like and uh, to make analogies back to the um, to our SEC schools again, like Alabama had a big, big cycle in the transfer in bringing in guys in the portal bringing in uh, Eli Ricks and Jameer Gibbs and Jermaine Burton. Um, and there's been talk about, it's like, is Alabama done or not? Well, Alabama had two very high-impact transfers in 2021 in Henry Toto and Jamison Williams, who would be about to be, like, a top-ten pick if he hadn't torn his ACL in the national championship, probably still a first-rounder. Both of those guys came in after the spring. So, like, oh, there wow. is possible for still, yeah, yeah, both of them in, like, May. So both of those guys, like, there is still possibility for not only, and I think uh, we have more to say on him in a minute, and obviously things didn't go the way we maybe hoped on that front, but, like, it was still a big deal when Rice got uh, Luke McCaffrey in the middle of last summer. So, you know, make analogies to whatever you want, but, like, things can not only still happen with the transfer portal after spring, but, like, pretty sizable things. And in fact, because often guys will go into the spring expecting to compete and, uh, you know, thinking they've got, or at least wanting to see where they stand. And then you get through the spring and maybe a new guy emerges or maybe, you know, something just doesn't go right for you. And now there's a whole fresh wave of guys entering the portal. So yeah. And, and lots a couple, of things still in flux. Another guy that if we want to talk about late additions, to the roster the the day before fall camp 
in Bloomgren's first year here on campus, he announced three players. It was the day before fall camp. He announced three players were being added to the roster. Uh, it was a, a Florida graduate transfer named Andrew Mike, who never got on the field. So that was a mess. Uh, a fullback, Giovanni Gentosi from UCLA, yep. who who started all year and played pretty well. I believe scored his first touchdown since uh, junior high on his final <laughs> final wow. game of his collegiate career. Uh, that's a fun blast from the past. There you go. Name your favorite Rice fullback, Giovanni Gentosi. I know we got some fullback fans out there. Yeah, there's our hipster um, pick there. If yeah. you're, if, if we ask for favorite fullbacks and you're uh, and you're your your name Gio Gentosi. You've definitely got the uh, the bushiest mustache in the room. Yeah, mustache to match. It was good. So, but the third guy was Blaze Aldridge, and that was the day before fall camp started in July. So, I I think obviously you don't want to bank on getting all of your best players at the end of the recruiting calendar, but it's definitely a situation where I think you know as guys have gone out the the the, the positive of the transfer situation is there's now some leeway. You can backfill seven transfers that leave your program Mm -hmm. and coming into the class. And so rice has, has some flexibility there and they will continue to add uh, a couple guys. I think that's one of the ways that they were able to get, for example, uh, Esdale in the wide receiver room. And we kind of hit on him a little bit. So we're going to talk about Luke McCaffrey. Now that seems like as good of a transition as any and, you know, somebody asked Bloomgren today about the quarterback room and, you know, he'd done and he'd brought in graduate transfers and transfers of some kind at quarterback position. Gee, I, I think every every uh, season he's been here so far. So he was asked about the plans at that position. And he said right now there are no plans to bring in any quarterbacks. It's going to be a battle between Wiley Green and TJ McMahon. And then he mentioned depth of Shoki Etrius and the uh, the guy that they signed in this class who, uh, let's see, A.J. Pageant uh, from Reedy. And then he didn't mention Luke McCaffrey. And then he mentioned other position changes and said, oh, by the way, Luke McCaffrey now plays wide receiver. Just kind of slid that one in there in the middle of his press conference and uh <laughs> Of course, I I put that on the internet and tweeted it out, and then Nebraska Twitter found it, and uh, is currently I think still retweeting it. I I don't know why Nebraska Twitter cares so much about Luke McCaffrey. Uh, but I would have, say I would say stop being weird, Nebraska Twitter. But that would be that would be wasted breath. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, within like five minutes of me putting out putting it out there, the senior writer for Husker two four seven found it and retweeted it. And then I, I didn't know Twitter did this, but if you get retweeted by an account that I guess has some large magnitude of followers, uh, it gives you a warning and says you were retweeted by a big account. Yeah. Do you want to mute uh, who or tell you who can reply to this tweet so you don't get spammed? Uh, and I left it open just because I was curious and man, Nebraska Twitter has feelings. Um, but we're not here to talk about Nebraska Twitter. I do want to talk about Luke McCaffrey and kind of get your thoughts on Luke McCaffrey now at wide receiver. Well, he's just uh, following his brother's example. Uh, Christian is essentially a slot receiver now in the NFL. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, if it worked out for him, well, you know, why can't it work out for, uh, for, uh, for Luke? So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when I first went back and watched him last year when he committed, I definitely saw what to my, you know, football enthusiast, but very untrained eye looked to me very much kind of like an athlete playing quarterback. Um, certainly a guy whose biggest plays generally came with the ball in his own hands as a ball carrier rather than as a passer. Um, and... You know, it's well, the most the most interesting thing about it is the state of the depth in like the wide receiver room. Um, Obviously, we felt great about the depth last year and then they all got hurt. But, you know, like I was saying earlier, they got Rosner, they got Bailey, they got Patterson, they got the two two transfers they just brought in. They have 
some guys who have been in that room. They have another quarterback turned wide receiver in Giovanni Johnson there. Um, obviously, Luke is a really electric athlete with the ball in his hands, but um, it's very interesting to me because I wonder, I'm, I'm curious what the impetus was, like how is this, do they just feel a whole lot better about Wiley and TJ or um, was this just, you know, things weren't turning out the way they hoped with him at quarterback. And this is just kind of a place to give Luke a chance to make an impact, which is interesting because again, like the, that depth is so stacked. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I don't really know how to, I, I guess my, my ultimate answer is here. Ask is answer here is ask me how I feel about it after the spring. That's fair. And, and, and so I feel like I've kind of, I mean, this went out this afternoon at like what one thirty, and later in the evening, I, my, I've kind of just shifted in my thoughts throughout the afternoon. As kind of, I've kind of, you know, worked through this. So you mentioned Giovanni Johnson, and my first thought when when I saw McCaffrey going to wide receiver was like, oh great, he's he's going to become Giovanni, and he's going to fall off the face of the earth, um, because Giovanni was a you know, a very talented athlete, but he couldn't crack the the top, you know, circle of trust, if you will, of the the starting wide receiver core. He made some really, really good plays in practice. I liked what I saw from a lot, but he was the fourth of the fifth of the sixth guy. And Rice played three guys last year, more or less. I mean, maybe got fourth in if somebody got injured, but it was a pretty nice, pretty narrow, you know, route tree or, or, or target tree, if you will. So that was that. The point. only solution is I, to play five wide receivers on every play, Tui. We're just we're, going we're air, now, just going air raid now. That's how it is. We're now like unofficially, kind of officially campaigning for that because I, I'm. I all mean, or put put a. <laughs> has anybody been watching the playoffs? Put McCaffrey and let him let let him be your Debo Samuel, the wide receiver slash running back slash I don't know just make sure he gets the ball about 10 times a game yeah I would be cool with that as well That'd be great. and that's kind of where I got to was the fact that you know Giovanni's a, a good athlete but that you know McCaffrey can be special when he has the ball in his hands and we saw him make you know I think back to the the Houston the one drive against Houston where the offense kind of worked he just escaped and made things happen and he's the kind of guy that I want touching the football and if I think this was kind of a maybe almost a, a cut bait move if McCaffrey's going to have a future in this program and the staff has made the decision that it's not going to be a quarterback, then why wait? You know, like do it now, move him to wide receiver in the oh, spring yeah. and let him get a chance so that by the time, you know, this is his going to be what his fourth season of college football, but he still has three years of eligibility remaining. So you know, you might as well, you know, uh, Crawford and Esdale are both have one year left. Uh, you get look at the guys in front of him and there's only they have less eligibility with Rosner and, and Bailey. So you, this is a guy who can be here and be good for a while. So I'm actually kind of intrigued if you're not going to, you know, we talked about paring down the offense so much last year and getting it to the slim down level that McCaffrey can process. If you're not going to reinvent the offense for, you know, the option style quarterback and you want to run the full gamut and McCaffrey just can't do that. Um, I guess we can have a separate conversation if you should just say scrap it and run five plays because McCaffrey can do those really well. I mean, I guess there's an argument for that. But if you're going to go the other way and you really feel the staff, how the staff feels about Wiley Green is I'm going to say they are infinitely more confident in him than maybe the fan base might be uh, like there's a reason that he was named a captain last year, even though he wasn't a starter or had the very real potential, like going into the season, everyone knew Wiley was not starting 12 games, like period with McCaffrey there and Constantine, it, it just wasn't happening. So the staff really likes McCaffrey. I had, I had multiple people express very serious confidence to me at the end of last season that TJ McMahon was going to get a shot. And this is in December after the final game before the news of McCaffrey moving positions. 
that that they thought he he was going to get a hat on the table to you know re- use recruiting lingo if you will. Yeah. Uh, so I think those are going to be your two guys, and I think McCaffrey will be a you know in case of emergency break glass. But I really think they'd like to go and start developing their younger guys. So that was kind of long winded, but that's kind of how I felt processing this. Is like at first I was like, oh no, don't you do that? Don't you do that? And I was like, okay, if you're going to do that, you should definitely do that. And if that's going to be the case and that's the reality, then I guess we just kind of have to live with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where that's where I kind of where I am with it is like, clearly this signals that, you know, whatever hope we had that an extended kind of off season in the program um, was going to, you know, get him up to speed to where he could really run the offense. Um and I don't even want to like, you know, I've I've certainly wanted at times for them to simplify this offense and make it more quarterback friendly. But there's also like, I, I don't know, he was in um, Scott Frost's offense before, and it's not like Scott off Scott Frost's offense is not quarterback friendly. Like, at some point, you have to be like a capable passer. Like, not even the regardless of whether or not the Rice offense is, like, too complex relative to what most quarterbacks deal with these days. Um, so if they made that decision that – if it was going to come out to that, that he is not going to be able to progress to play as a passer, then it is good that they saw that now and have made this decision that he and that he is apparently comfortable with this decision. And, you know, if this gives you a way to – get him on the field and use that athleticism um, in a way that's actually positive for the team rather than. And that's all I want. Ultimately, I want McCaffrey on the field, touching the football. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, there's always a balance between like, obviously he's one of the best athletes they have, but last year when they played him at quarterback, it didn't go well. So you like you, he had that tool, that athleticism, but you weren't leveraging that to help the team. And if this is a way that you can actually leverage it to help the team, then I'm all for it. Yeah. So we'll see. I we'll, Spring will be here, and we'll see him get some reps. I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think, like we've talked about, like, you know, we, in our last podcast two months ago, we said we wanted them to go get running back help. And they did get Dean Connors. But, you know, Dean Connors, Ari Broussard are going to be your your guys in the backfield this year. And it's Cam Montgomery. Yeah, you could still some use somebody else. I Luke McCaffrey could could do some things <laughs> as a running back. I'm I'm just saying. Or yeah, yep. Whatever you want to call it, who does the the Debo role? <laughs> you know. Also, I have to give a a tight end update. Apologies to Connor Welsh, who is listed as a fullback slash tight end. On the Connor roster. Welsh is going to play fullback. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I just need I need whoever is running the roster on Rice's website to just pick some position categories and fit everybody in those. We have three. uh, So Devones, uh, like a bunch of these guys are listed at CB and then other guys are listed at DB. And then they have like they have like four different potential um, defensive line positions. They have. Braylon Carroll is just DT, but then all the other interior linemen are DL, and then they've got DEs. They've got, like, man, you got to just list guys that, like, they also have OLBs and LBs, and then Trey Filippi is, for some reason, the only offensive lineman that is listed specifically at OT, and the others are all just OL, even the tackles. Like, man, just pick position groupings here. Like, most, most places just do, like, quarterback, running back receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, and DB. Just do those things. Don't give me, like, 14 positions. What is this? So What is it, going on? Oh, and sorry. There are a bunch of the safeties are listed as just S, and then Marcus Williams and Joshua Williams are listed as SAF, S-A-F. Well, they did come in together, so. Both from Alabama. I guess if you're a safety from Alabama, you get listed as SAF. And if you're a safety from Texas, you get listed as S. Yeah, just wait till we get that safety from Alaska. That that comes into something completely different. Let's just like, what is going on here? Like, let's, 
I'm not an, like an organized person, but I desperately want to impose an organizational system on this roster. I will say plug for uh, the season preview. I've always kind of put it down into the regular buckets. So <laughs> you're welcome. Go look forward to that. And I guess a couple months, it's February. So we got some time, but uh, last couple things, last couple things, last thing that I want to hit on and maybe a little inside baseball, inside football. Is that a thing? I don't know why inside baseball are <laughs> the only people that have that kind of monitor. Yeah. But um, one thing that I do want to hit on is some folks might have seen it. I, I did put a, a story about it in, oh, man, I guess this was December or January. It's all my dates are running together. But Alex Brown, who for the past two and a half, three seasons, has been the director of recruiting at Rice, took a job at SMU. I believe his title is director of scouting. Uh, I guess in between the early signing period and national signing day. So he's gone on. And I know a lot of folks that, you know, aren't walking around, you know, the Brian Patterson center might not know who Alex is or kind of pay attention to the nuts and bolts of how, you know, the, the sauce gets made in the recruiting organization. But I did want to mention Alex a little bit because he was hired away from the university of Houston in, I guess in 2019 would have been March, March, April of 2019. And kind of, he helped design and build the recruiting structure that exists today at Rice. So we've talked about uh, Bloomgren and Ryan Rice have signed three of the five highest rated classes in the history of the program. While he's been here, uh, those three classes are attributed to Brown and what he's been able to do or what he was able to do uh, organizing and recruiting and the staff he was able to put together. So I, I think it would be a miss as we're talking about recruiting, not to mention, you know, he was there and he's not there anymore, um, which is one thing. And then just to kind of, you know, wax about the recruiting coordinator position and recruiting in general. And how much does that actually matter? Is Rice going to be fine? Because my two cents, I, I think Alex did, a, was wonderful and did a tremendous job recruiting for the program. And I think it would be better for Rice if Alex Brown was at campus than not. But I think the how to recruit in college football is kind of like riding a bike that once you have stood it up and and been able to pedal and teaching everybody w what directions to go and one foot after another, that you kind of get into a rhythm where you can do a lot of it not, you know, automated, but it's almost second nature. Once you can do it, you don't kind of forget, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I think, I guess the way I would put it is Rice desperately needed an Alex Brown. And what they needed to, was for someone like him to come in and kind of build that structure. Because you need an organized kind of recruiting department, essentially, to run the operations of things like that in college football today. And if you look at the difference between the way, like, if you follow recruiting for, say, other programs, and you watch the way things are kind of done, even just on social media, like, you can see a lot of the, like, I don't know, the, like, emergent evidence of this stuff on social media these days, if you look at the way that stuff was for Rice before he got here and the way it is now, it's a massive difference. So I give him a ton of credit and obviously having him was enormous for Rice in that front because they needed someone to do that. My hope is that the success they've had in recruiting since that time has been as a result of having that structure um, and that they knowing that they needed a guy like Alex to come in and build and run that structure, that they can find someone who is also capable of doing that, of, of now at least maybe you don't need someone to build that structure, but to continue to run it and to refine it. Um, and hopefully they can find someone who is as capable as Alex was in doing that same job. But they aren't, like, losing Alex stinks to me. Like, I... I at least from my perspective, it seemed like he had a big role in building what they had. But hopefully now that it is built, it will be less of a loss 
not, not as big of a loss to lose someone like him because he leaves behind the structure that he builds, essentially. Yeah, and I think it's, I, I guess, kind of to put a bow on that, I, I think it is... It's interesting that at the end of kind of Bloomberg's, you know, talking points with the media earlier today, I, I did ask him about Alex and ask, ask him about the recruiting staff and kind of the plans there. And, you know, he wanted to give Daniel Clements and, and Trey McGahee are the two kind of guys that have stepped in and filled in the interim. Uh, Daniel Clements has ties to West Virginia. I just they picked up a grad transfer from West Virginia. I, that may or may not be connected. I have no knowledge. I'm just spitballing here. Um, so that's good. And then uh, I'm going to read a quote because I think it was pretty telling. It said, Rice has made a commitment. This is Bloomgren. Uh, made a commitment and understands what we're jumping into, into the American Athletic Conference. And they want to be competitive and they want to give us the resources to do that, to do so. Recruiting, as we know it, is the lifeblood of a program. So... I'm going to read between the lines and kind of fill you in on a little bit. There will be. And it's all about money. <laughs> it's all about money. And Rice is getting more money from the AAC and their capital campaign and what they've done to usher Rice into their new conference. So there will be a greater investment from the university into recruiting. And there will be uh, from Bloomgrade an announcement about what that means in the coming weeks. I am going to go ahead and just kind of put out there that I think the recruiting, the emphasis on recruiting is not going to go down. It is going to go up, which is a good thing. So I think Rice is going to be all right. I think they're going to keep getting guys that can play. And uh, I think we're not going to see the last of signing good classes. So some good news, I think, on that front. Hopefully more soon. Well, all right. Um Look at us, been recording for a brisk uh, 52 minutes at this point, so the podcast is coming around that mark. Um, been a whole uh, month and a half since we talked, and we still kept some of that skill in, um, you know, we didn't talk for an hour and a half this time, so uh, not totally rusty here. Yeah, my, my wife asked me, so how long are you going to go? I'm like, you know, we don't have that much to talk about, so probably a solid hour. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, that's it for us, I think. Uh, it was good to get back and talk football with y'all. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back to uh, at least update for around the start of spring practice. Um, but obviously, if anything gigantic happens between now and then, we'll be back. Um, but it's good talking to y'all again. Uh, get that little bit of dose of rice football talk in your off season, uh, And now you can go back to uh, to to your the long off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that's happening. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, yeah, go back to whatever you're uh, spending your time twiddling your thumbs over while you wait for um, wait wait for spring football season because that's coming up, you know. So uh, it was good to get back, and uh, we'll see y'all again soon. And rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.